0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Uh, Well, Good morning, North Church. It's so good to see you guys at North Bible. How are you this morning? All right, all right. I'm with Brent, man. I'm like, after that worship set, I'm like, you guys don't need to hear me talk, we just need to sing some more and just lift up the Lord, but uh, I know some of you are like, no, we need to hear you talk, so we're, we're, we're here, we're here. Um, I, I just want to say uh, thank you. Over the last several months, your leadership has just uh, prayed over and loved on our families so well. And uh, we feel so um, special, encouraged, valued as just a brother in Christ and as a co-laborer in ministry. And so already I feel like God has knit our hearts uh, to you in so many ways. And uh, we've been praying for you. And we have so enjoyed getting to know North Bible Church and hearing about your heart and your history and uh, man it's just it's just a joy to be here and so thank you for this opportunity uh for those of you who were not here last week i do just want to introduce my family my full family here uh you'll see this uh, photo here so uh, obviously the ball dude yo okay um the hottie is obviously my wife Rika, and uh she's with me of course and then isabel our oldest daughter 19 is here and Faith, our youngest daughter, 13, is here. Our son, who's 20 years old, he's an Army National Guardsman in Ohio. He's also a certified welder, so he's, he's working. He's trying to do the young adult thing, right? So he's not here this time, but we're going to get him out here uh, next opportunity. And then for all of you little like lovers of furry pe- you know, fuzzy, fuzzy friends, that's Milo, all right? The dog um, is, is Milo. I didn't want Milo. I wanted to name him Milo and get rid of him, but I got <laughs> outvoted. Now we have Milo. All right, uh, I've got a lot on my mind, but I, I just I just want to get busy. I, I just want to get to the task at hand. I, I want us to learn from God's word together today, and we're going to be looking at a, a beautiful portion of scripture. There's so much in it. I just had to pick one aspect of it, but I want to get into God's word together. But I'll, I, I've got a question for you: What makes you anxious? I just want you to kind of do a self-examination of your life. What tends to trigger anxiety in your life. Uh, As I've thought about that and reflected on that, uh, here's here's a few things that trigger anxiety for me. Uh, Being late, I do not like to be late. Not a fan of that. Uh, Related to that is I don't like to wait on people. I shall not mention any names of people in this room. No names mentioned, but I don't like to wait on people. That definitely is something that triggers anxiety for me. Uh, The decisions my kids make, or the decisions I would wish they would make. That that can create anxiety for me in my life. Um, Preaching before a church that's going to vote for you to be lead pastor in the presence of the founding pastor, that that can create a little anxiety for a guy, you know? Um, But as I thought about this, one clarifying thought that, that came together, I think I could tuck a lot of what causes anxiety for me and probably for us under this heading. Trying to control things that we absolutely have no control over. Like, does is that not true? Like a lot of times what causes anxiety in our lives is when we try to control something we absolutely have no control over. So how would you answer the question? What are some things that cause anxiety in your life? And I want to do something for a moment. This, this is a community. This is not a production. This is not a show. This is a, a community moment. I actually want you to just to turn to someone right next to you. And I want you to share just, just in about 10, 15 seconds each, like what are some of the things that trigger anxiety in your life, all right? So you got about 30 seconds to talk about that and go. Uh, just a few more seconds. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Good sound to hear you chatting. It's real. Anxiety is real. Uh, anxious thoughts are real. Let me ask you another question, just a follow-up one. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, one being low, 10 being high right now, how anxious do you feel in life? Just kind of get a number in your own heart. Like, man, how, how, how much anxiety am I wrestling with right now in life on a scale of one to 10? And just hold that. Just hold that right now. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. Hopefully today, uh, we're going to see that we can get some help from God and His Word. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, thank you so much for this time. And God, it's fascinating, it's humbling, it's exciting, the fact that some stranger can stand up on a platform and open up your Word, and yet we're family in Christ. We're brothers and sisters, and our relationship spans distance. Our relationship spans time. We're going to worship you together forever. So thank you for this moment that we get to share. We thank you for those who are watching online that wish they were here right now. God, uh, I thought about the, the parents this morning holding these little kids. and One of the things that those parents want to shield those little babies from is anxiety. Stressing about things they don't need to stress about. Father, that's a glimpse of how you see us. You hold us. You don't want us to stress and have fear and worry and anxiety about the things that we typically do. So Father, may we hear from your heart today. Not my mouth, not my heart, but may we hear from your heart today as we open your word. Teach us to be more like Christ and to lean more on Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said together, Amen. Today we're wrapping up a four-week series in the book of Philippians, and so uh, you can turn in or turn on your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 4. Dr. Rick Eford and Dr. Kyle DeRoberts have been teaching through the book of Philippians over the last few weeks, and uh, just on that note, man, can you just give them some love for just being faithful men of God, preaching and holding down. Hopefully they're watching today from somewhere. This body appreciates you and your faithfulness. And as we wrap up Philippians today, we're in chapter four. We could do a four-week series just on chapter four. There's so much good stuff in there. And so just like Rick and just uh, like Kyle, I'm going to focus on a section. Because I'd rather, I'd rather go with the less is more today. There's so much there, but let's just focus on a handful of verses that I think will target this anxiety that we so often wrestle with in our life. And as you're turning in your Bibles, for those of you who may be new, uh, we don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. We don't know if you've even heard of this book. Um, The book of Philippians is a book of the Bible that was written um, by a man named the Apostle Paul. This was God's servant. God wrote Philippians through Paul to these first century uh, Christians that were living in Philippi, this ancient city in Greece. And he was bringing encouragement and instruction to them. And anytime we come to the Bible and we look at this book that's got uh, all these letters, all these books that are thousands of years old, it's always good to remember that although we're not the original audience because it was written to them, it's still written for us to them, but for us. That's the nature of God's word. It's, a, it's the living word. It's natural. It's supernatural. And, and it cuts uh, even to our hearts today. And so we're going to look at uh, some words that God had for the Philippians through Paul that still will be relevant for us today. And what we're seeing here in, in Philippians chapter four, because it's the last chapter, it's the last of what Paul's going to say. He's concluding his letter. And just like when we send a note, a letter, an email, something of significance, usually how we sign off has a little extra something-something, right? There's a little extra love. There's a little extra meaning that we put on the end. How we sign off is extra meaningful. And so it's good to pay attention when you're reading the Bible, especially these letters from Paul about how he's signing off because he's putting a little extra meaning. We need to pay attention. Like he's, he's really signing off with thoughts he does not want them to miss which means we want to grab a hold of those and pull them into our life as well so let's look at philippians chapter 4 but we're just going to focus on verses 4 through 7 so look at those with me philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 paul saying to the philippians to them for us rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone the lord is at hand do not be what's the next word Oh, there it is, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the, what's the next word? Peace. Peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to build our time today around three helpful words From those verses that will help us fight off anxiety the first one is rejoice look at verse four again rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice we have this imperative we're called by paul to rejoice and he doubles down he says it twice rejoicing is a big theme through the book of philippians rick touched on that kyle touched on that talking about unity and talking about joy and rejoicing and just to be clear, so we're talking about the same word, to rejoice means to be glad. It means to be happy. But what you see here, there's an object that typically is why we don't rejoice as often as we could and should because we often misplace the object of what we should or who we should be rejoicing in. The instruction is not to just rejoice in general or just to rejoice for the sake of rejoicing. We are to rejoice in who? What's it say? Rejoice in? Rejoice in? the lord and that's one of the reasons why so many of us struggle with anxiousness like we do because we're trying to put our joy we're trying to rejoice in all these other moving targets we try to put our joy and rejoice in circumstances when circumstances are good we've got a reason to rejoice when circumstances are bad we don't our income good i can rejoice not so good i'm not rejoicing And so we're we're always chasing after these moving targets to rejoice in, but the source of our joy, the source of our rejoicing is the Lord. Part of our anxiety problems are due to misplaced gladness, when the Lord is not the anchor of the joy that we should have. And so when you rejoice in your circumstances, circumstances will change. If you rejoice in your body, your body will change. You rejoice in your health, your health is going to change. You rejoice in your bank account, your bank account's going to change. Fill, fill in the blank with whatever you want. We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. The Lord never changes. Amen? He never changes. He's a rock. He's fortress. He's immovable. And so one of the reasons we are just wrecked with anxiety a lot of times is because we're, we're trying to rejoice in that which we shouldn't be. All these moving targets. And the joy that Paul's calling for here, this happiness, by the way, is beyond circumstances. It's a joy that is rooted in a deep contentment in the Lord. It's trusting God. He's sovereign. He's constant. Uh, He's the living God who created the whole universe, and he cares for the entire universe, and he cares for you. And so we're to rejoice in the Lord. Now notice, Paul says that we're to rejoice in the Lord always. That's when we start to push back and go, really? Like, always? Like, have you seen my life? Have you seen the ups and downs and all that's going on in my life? I think this is very important. uh, Just in case we're tempted to dismiss Paul's command to rejoice always, we have to remember aspects of Paul's life. When you read through Paul's life, you have to remember that this is a man who had a haunting past filled with memories of how he persecuted Christian men and women and children. We're talking about a man who, like us, battles temptation to sin, Every day, Paul was very clear about the, the, the pressure and the temptation to not do what he didn't want to do or not do what he wanted to do and to do what he shouldn't do. Like, he battled temptation. We're talking about a man who was imprisoned. For those of you who've been good Bible students and have been listening the last few weeks, where was Paul when he wrote this letter? He was imprisoned. So the guy telling us to rejoice always is doing so from Roman imprisonment. You're talking about a man who's been beaten, whipped, Stoned, left for dead. He's been shipwrecked. He's been floating in the ocean for a day and a night. And he was betrayed. He was abandoned by people who thought uh, he thought were his friends. He was accused. He was lied about. He was persecuted. He experienced severe poverty conditions. He and he had some sort of like mysterious thorn in the flesh from God that kept him humble. Like Paul is a great example of someone who's not just teaching how to rejoice in the Lord always but he's modeling it with circumstances in his life that you and I could never even comprehend. And so we've got to pay attention. We can't dismiss the significance. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. So Paul is calling the Philippians to an attitude of joy, to a rejoicing in the Lord, and that they should have complete confidence in God's character, in God's nature, in God's sovereignty, That's what he's calling. And God is using Paul not only to teach, but to demonstrate that our internal attitude does not need to be determined by our outward circumstances. I want to say that again. God is using Paul to teach us that our inward attitude should not be determined by our outward circumstances. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. So look, following Christ, it doesn't mean you're never going to struggle. Following Christ doesn't mean you're never going to experience fear and worry and stress and uncomfortable circumstances. That's that prosperity gospel, right? Man, if you have Jesus, you get health, you get wealth, you get all the stuff. That's just a lie. You can't preach that gospel all around the world to brothers and sisters in Christ that are living in complete poverty in other nations. Like that, That doesn't teach. That doesn't stick. And so following Christ, we're going to experience the effects of a broken world, a sinful world, a fallen world, but... God has given us a command, a call, and an equipping to be able to rejoice no matter what's going on around us. And so I think Paul's laying a foundation here. Look, you're going to wrestle with anxiousness. Let's start by learning who we rejoice in, what we don't rejoice in. And so one big helpful word right here is this word, rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord because we can trust the Lord. God is good, God is present, God is sovereign. God is faithful. We just sang about his faithfulness no matter what's going on. Is it just a lyric on a song that we sing for seconds on a Sunday morning and then we walk out of here and forget that we sang that? Or or do we let that work its way into us? Do we hit, you know, replay on that throughout the week when the pressures come? And so the first helpful word we see to help fight anxiety is this rejoice. It's one word. The second is prayer. Look at verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Here we go, tall order, right? Anything, everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, if we bypass the rejoicing in the Lord, what we do is anxiousness is lurking, ready to fill the space in our mind and hearts that the rejoicing should take up. And once that rejoicing vacates, the anxiousness has an easier time to get in, and then we feel this anxiousness. And before we get to prayer, we have to understand what we're wrestling with. Do not be anxious about anything. And so the word anxious here, if you're into the Greek, is the word meronao, which means to be troubled with cares. So we all have cares. There's nothing wrong with having cares, but there's a line that we cross where all of a sudden we're just chronically troubled by our cares. We're chronically tormented by our cares. And so God is not giving an indictment against cares, right? We have cares. Family, friends, income, health, like we care. And because we care, God cares, but there's a line we cross where now we're just tormented and troubled by the cares in life. And so that's that anxiousness. But here's what we need to be a bit careful because when you look at a word like anxiety, right, we know that this is a cultural epidemic right now. I know right now, uh, whoever's watching online and whoever's in this room, some of you are going, you are treading on very sensitive ground because I wrestle with anxiety. So I think we have to understand the spectrum of anxiety. We can't paint with too broad of a brush when we use a word like anxiety. Uh, we're, We're gonna do violence to very tender spirits when there's an actual diagnosable type of anxiety a mental health disorder that's interfering with daily activity. That's that's something that needs extra care, extra attention. We live in a fallen, broken world that has physiological effects on us, and part of that is the mind. And so for for well-meaning Christians who say to anyone just struggling with anxiety, you got panic disorders, you got PTSD or some sort of mental health disorder, and you're like, well, you just got to trust the Lord more. That's like telling a person with dementia, you just need to trust the Lord more and your memory's gonna come back. The the mind is broken. It's the effect of sin. And so we have some people with with deep issues, diagnosable issues that that need extra care and sensitivity and understanding and need to do a harder work on on trying to navigate anxiety in their life. And then there's this other side where we do just need to hear you need to trust the Lord more. Because we're, we're just getting freaked out about things we shouldn't be. We're trying to control things that we actually have no control over. And so there is this space where we say, look, you, 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 like, like Jesus said to, to Martha, you're, you're so anxious and worried about so many things. Just relax like your sister Mary, all right? And so there's a space for that. So, but, but overall, God doesn't want us, he didn't create us to be uh, people who suffer with anxiousness. And so we have to apply something that's gonna help, and here's what we see, It's prayer. It's prayer. It's fascinating when we talk about anxiety and prayer. We can just go right to the Garden of Gethsemane. Even Jesus experienced anxiousness. We see this picture of Jesus praying to the point that you know sweat like drops of blood is pouring out. And he's you got God the Son asking God the Father, take it away. I don't, I see what's coming. I don't want to do it. He was anxious. There was anxiety. There was a moment of anxiety there for, for Jesus, but then that moment of prayer. He surrendered. He yielded. But not my will be done, but yours. And so it's prayer that was able to push back, even the anxiousness that was encroaching on the Son of God before his arrest and his trials and his beatings and his crucifixion. And so we see that model even in the life of Christ. And so we come back to this moment. If prayer is good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for us too, right? So verse 6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What I love about the grammar and the makeup of that sentence is it builds on one another. There is an interplay right here. It says in everything, the big and the small of life. Look, if if we have not learned yet how to bring the small cares of our lives to God. How are we getting equipped to bring the big cares? See, so some of us are like, I'm just, I am got the small stuff, God. I'll, 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 I'll text you when I need some backup. I got this. No, no, no. In everything. So even the small stuff. The small stuff is practice for the big stuff. God, I'm going to bring you the small cares. I'm going to bring you those little things that are annoying and nibbling on me. Because if I don't know how to do that, when the big stuff comes, I, I'm not going to have a clue what to do. And so I'm going to bring the small cares and everything, small, big, I'm going to bring them, okay, by prayer. This is a general sense of approaching God in communication. This is connection with God. But what kind of prayer? Supplication. You see what's happening here? Everything, big and small. Come to God in prayer. We're going to come to God. What kind of prayer? Supplication. Supplication is a seeking of God. It's a petitioning of God for help. It's laying our needs, which by the way, sometimes that's a good filter, right? Right? God, I want this versus God, I need this. It's petitioning our needs before the Lord and, and laying what's on our hearts before him. What kind of posture with thanksgiving? See what just happened here? When I come in prayer, I don't, I don't, I don't come um, embittered. Even if we do, that's fine. God can take it. But my posture should be thanksgiving, gratitude. And what do I do in that place, that posture? Let your request be made known to God. Which is interesting because he already knows, right? There's just something about the heart of the father that loves when his children come to him with that which he already knows. It's so interesting. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you know what I'm talking about, right? That moment where maybe your kid broke something or did something and you know, and there's something that's very rewarding and meaningful when they come to you and said, I broke that. You're like, I know. But man, it's just really good to hear it from you. Instead of, is there anything you want to tell me? Anything from earlier that maybe, you know, shattered your expectations today or whatever? If... if, if, if if we get that kind of joy, and that's very meaningful for us, how much more for the Father, when we, when we bring our requests to him, he, he already knows what we need. He already knows what we want, but we still bring them to him in prayer. And what I love about this, it says, bring your requests to God. Not to your family, not to your friends, not to your life coach, not to your therapist, not to your counselor. Now, there's nothing wrong with bringing our hurts, our hopes, our prayers into the the circle of conversation with our family and friends. But here's the reality. None of those people can give you what God's going to give you. None of those people are going to give you hope that you need. None of those people are going to give you the strength that you need. None of those people can give you the peace that you need. It's good. God designed us to be in community. We're to be in community. We're to be together and share the joys and the challenges. But if we're looking if we're going to people, if we're going to human solutions, then we're chasing that which is not actually going to do anything for, or it's going to be very temporary and inadequate and unfulfilling. Make your request be made known to God, the only one who can actually do anything about it. We do it through prayer. So again, in everything, all situations, by prayer, what we do, with supplication, the kind of prayer we pray, with thanksgiving, our hot posture, we make our requests be made known to God, the only one who could do anything. There was an uh, English Bible teacher from the mid-1900s named A.W. Pink. He said it this way so well. He said, the best antidote for anxiety is frequent meditation upon God's goodness, power, and sufficiency. Nothing is too big and nothing is too little to spread before and cast upon the Lord. It's well said. When we begin to be anxious, when we start to feel anxious, instead of looking horizontally to fight off the anxiety through human solutions, reaching out to people, the answer is to go vertically, straight to God. Let me just reinforce that. Why why would we go to God? It's something we see also in 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7. We're told, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Look at verse 7, casting all your, what's the next word? Anxieties. Casting all your anxieties on him because, why? He cares for you. I know that some of you are sitting here and you have moments in your life and you might be there right now where you're going, God doesn't see me, God doesn't care. Because if he did, he would take away, fill in the blank. The problem is maybe the deepest, best work that God wants to do in your life to make you more like Christ is to keep that there so that it trains you. To depend on him. Keeps you humble. Keeps you needing Christ. Keeps you growing in Christ. It's so hard because we think if you take it, I'll be better. God's saying, no, I need to leave it so you'll be better. I need you to take that so so the pain will go away. But I'm going to train you in your pain. Look over your life. When did you grow in the good times? When do you look back over your life and go, man, smooth sailing. It was amazing. I grew so much. Just like spiritual growth spurt, man, just blew me up. Woo! No. You want to condition your body? You go to the gym. You hurt yourself. (laughs) Two days later, people poking you. It's like, ah, stop, I'm sore. You know, it, it does its work. God does his work in the pain. But we have to trust him. That's why we pray. We trust God, even when we don't understand. He sees what we don't see. He knows what we don't know. And so we come to him in prayer. We get to choose to have an anxious way of life or a prayerful way of life. It's hard to do both. And so we see these two words so far, rejoice, prayer, two words that can help us fight anxiety. Third word, last word for our time, peace. Everyone say peace. peace. <laughs> Sounds like, peace? Not that kind, all right. Verse seven, look at it again. Beautiful and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, you love that? Not might, not may, not could, will. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The outcome of laying your cares before God in prayer is peace. That's the outcome. That's what God will provide. That's why we trust him. And so where you find a person who's trusting in God, you will find the peace of God. Just evaluate your life. When did you lack peace? It was because you lacked peace in God because you didn't trust God. The peace of God has to come online in your life. And the word peace here is a great word. It's the word irene. Can you just say that? Say irene. A bunch of Greek scholars in here. It's the equivalent of the Hebrew word shalom. Love that. They didn't. You know this. This is the equivalent in the Greek. And so this peace, this serene. Sense of confidence in the Lord, this irene, the shalom, is a sense of security. It's a sense of safety. It's a sense of tranquility. And it's a strong, trusting, restful spirit that you even can have in the midst of chaos. The shalom of God. Those who are more prayerful have more shalom. It's just the nature of how God put it together. And so it doesn't mean, I want to be clear, it doesn't mean you never feel pain or disappointment, or discouragement, or that you're immune to fear, or worry, or anxiousness, but you have this supernatural shalom, this peace, this irene of God, that's governing your heart and your mind, and what it does is it says, you might experience anxiousness, but you're not gonna be dominated by it. You're gonna experience some of that worry, but you're not gonna be overwhelmed by it. As you come, as you make your requests made known to God and experience this peace of God in your life. And this peace transcends all the human capacity of rational thinking and comprehension. We're just saying about it, right? I have a peace that makes no sense. Some of you are just saying that, like, oh, I have this peace that makes no sense. I hope you've experienced that. Then when things get sideways, you're like, why am I okay on the inside? Like, this situation is not good. This is scary. This is threatening. This is painful. But yet, there's shalom. There's irene. There's peace. Because it's supernatural. See, this kind of peace cannot be self-generated. Your friends can't give it to you. You can't give it to yourself. The self-held book, you can go to Barnes & Noble's all you want. You're not going to find shalom on the bookshelf. You're not going to find it. It has to be given by God. The peace of God is something that God gives That's why if you're not rejoicing in the Lord, that's why if you're not praying, casting all your anxieties on God, this peace eludes you. It's like a child chasing a bubble. You just can't catch it. So you have to come to the Lord. And what I love about this imagery here, says the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard there is a word picture. In Philippi, this was a strategic route for economics and for military And so there in Philippi, there was a large Roman garrison of soldiers that watched over the city, protected the city from attack. And so the Philippians, when they heard Paul say this, when they read this in the letter, probably what came to their mind was like, oh, like the giant garrison of Roman guards that watch over our city to protect us from attack. I think Paul was intentional here. That if I'm trusting in the Lord, I'm rejoicing in the Lord, I'm praying in the Lord, His peace is going to be like that garrison watching over my mind and my heart. Which means (laughs) you're unprotected. If you flip the script, you're unprotected without prayer. You're unprotected without rejoicing in the Lord. And again, that peace will be elusive. The peace of God equips the children of God with an inner strength and with a confident faith in God and it only comes from having a relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son in God the Spirit it's the only way it happens and it's there for all of us who know Christ and it's from Jesus, John 14 27, Jesus said peace I leave with you my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you let your hearts not be troubled neither let them be afraid it's this piece of Christ that's available to us and if you're a follower of Christ right now it's yours you don't have to ask God for it it's it's already there it's in your toolbox you just got to use it through prayer you just got to unlock it and start to pray more and so if I I were to give you one statement that kind of summarizes what we're talking about here (laughs) more prayer equals more peace. If you're lacking that peace today, my encouragement to you, dial up the prayer life. Dial up coming to God and coming to the one you can trust. By the way, observation, the peace of Christ is given to us regardless of the outcome of our prayer. We just got to go there for a second. Pop quiz question, does God answer every single prayer? How many say yes, God answers every single prayer, okay? How many say no, he doesn't answer every single prayer? Some of you are going, this is a trick question I'm not answering. God answers every single prayer, every single one. The answer might be yes. The answer might be no. The answer might be wait. It might be not now. It might be not this way. He'll answer it. You just might not like the answer. And so... This peace is available regardless of the answer. Some of you need to hear me really clear right now. Some of you are like, oh, the peace only comes if God says yes. No, 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 no. The peace is there even if God says no. The peace is there especially if God says wait. It's always there. All right. Three helpful words today. Rejoice, prayer, peace. If you have more prayer, you're going to have more peace. Let's look at that passage all together again. Philippians 4, 4 4-7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. We didn't even get a chance to touch that verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another encouragement for you, read this on a regular basis if you're struggling with anxiousness. Memorize it. Write it down. Every day, every couple days, get out a journal, write it. Memorize it. You can pray this. This could be a, a template for prayer. You can take this verse and just say, Lord, help me to rejoice in you. Help me double down on my rejoicing. Lord, I've been rejoicing in the circumstances. I'm sorry. Realign me back to where I just rejoice in you. God, let me be reasonable (laughs) to those who don't think the way I think. You you can pray that. You can say, God, help me not to be anxious about anything. But to come to you, like, you can just let this be your script for prayer when you come to God. All right, earlier I asked you, on a scale of 1 to 10, (laughs) 10 being high, how strong are you struggling with anxiety today? I want to hone in a little more with the reflection question I want to give you right now. What is producing the most anxiety in your life right now? Just evaluate your life. Is it it what your child's doing or not doing? Is it your health? Is it finances? Is it the job, the lack of a job? Is it your relationship? Or the relationship you hope you would have? What's causing all the anxiety in your life right now? I just want to take some time with you And I want to just not, I want to kind of stop talking about God and let's all talk to God. And I want to spend some time in prayer. And uh, if you've never heard this, this is a helpful um, guide for me to pray. It's very clever. It's the word pray, like that. The P stands for praise. You praise God for who He is, for what He's done, how you've seen Him in your life. You spend some time just praising God. R is for repent. Then you say, God, here, here's why I failed you. You know, it's no surprise. I'm just going to confess to you right now. I'm just going to repent to you right now. And then you ask, you lay your request before God. God, help me with this area. And whatever that is that's causing you a lot of anxiety right now, lay that before the Lord. And the why is the hard part? Yield. Whether he says yes, no, wait, maybe, not now. And before we get to that, I, I just there may be someone here that you're on a spiritual journey and you don't know Christ. You'll never experience the peace of God until you have peace with God. Here, here, here's, here's the Bible story in quick summary. God made everything perfect, made us to be in relationship with Him, and it all got broke through sin and rebellion. Every person born, even these precious little children we saw up here earlier, every person born is born with a sin nature. We're born with this natural instinct to rebel and run away from God. It's called sin. And we can never fix it. No amount of good works, no amount of prayers, no amount of good deeds will ever fix it. No religious activity will ever fix it. And God knew that. That's why he came down in person and fixed it. Jesus, when you see that cross, you see the symbol of the greatest gift of love humanity has ever known. We're getting ready to celebrate that, right? Coming up here where Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, rose from the dead on the third day, walked around for 40 days, let everyone go, I am alive, it's not a myth, and then he ascended to heaven. And he's coming back, he's promised to return. And if you don't know that, or you don't believe that, or you want to find out more about that, we'd love to talk to you. We'd like to have a conversation with you. So after this service, we're going to have some prayer partners over here, some friends, and we just want to know that um, you to know that we're so glad you're here. If you don't know Christ, you're welcomed here. We want to give you space to learn, to grow, to struggle, to wrestle, and we want to help. And so if you need prayer, you want to have a spiritual conversation, after the service, just hang out with us over here. We'd love to help in any way we can. But right now, let's just all go to prayer. Let's all pray. I'm just going to give you some space. Father, thank you so much for this time. God, we come in here today, all of us have anxiety to some degree, fears and worries that run rampant in our heart and minds. But we start by praising you. So right now, would you just take a few seconds, would you just praise God on your own, in your heart, in your mind, would you just praise God for who he is and for what he's done in your life? Just give him a moment. Listening to you, just praise him. You just praise him. We fail God every day, and He sees it and He knows it. But it's healthy, it's good, to confess to repent. So would you just take a few seconds right now and just repent before God? Tell Him you're sorry for how you failed, how you've sinned. Maybe this anxiety thing is where it's at, or something else. Would you just take just take a few seconds, just repent before God? Just get right with God for a few seconds here. not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Right now, would you just take a minute and just ask God to help you where you need help, to provide what you need. Is it the peace? Is it something else? Would you just lay your request before God right now? Lastly, would you just offer up something that communicates that you yield to his will? Jesus said it this way, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe that's what you say. Or just say, God, whatever, whatever happens, I'll trust you. I just yield to your sovereignty. I yield to your wisdom. Just give that to the Lord right now. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.